You're listening to a sermon from the Langley Canadian Reformed Church. We hope you'll find it to be spiritually edifying. Our scripture reading this morning comes from two places in the book of Genesis. Read together Genesis chapter 17, verse 15 to 22. God also said to Abraham, As for Sarai your wife, you are no longer to call her Sarai. Her name will be Sarah. I will bless her and will surely give you a son by her. I will bless her so that she will be the mother of nations. Kings of people will come, kings of peoples will come from her. Abram fell face down. He laughed and said to himself, Will a son be born to a man a hundred years old? Will Sarah bear a child at the age of ninety? And Abram said to God, If only Ishmael might live under your blessing. Then God said, Yes, but your wife Sarah will, be, will bear you a child. Our son, you will call him Isaac. I will establish my covenant with him as an everlasting covenant for his descendants after him. And as for Ishmael, I have heard you. I will surely bless him. I will make him fruitful and will greatly increase his numbers. He will be the father of twelve rulers, and I will make him into a great nation. But my covenant, I will establish with Isaac, whom Sarah will bear to you by this time next year. When he had finished speaking with Abraham, God went up from him. We'll read also a section from the following chapter, Genesis chapter 18, verse 9 to 15. Here the Lord has come to speak to Abraham in the form of three visitors. But then he also speaks again on the subject of the promised son. Where is your wife Sarah? They asked him. There in the tent, he said. And the Lord said, I will surely return to you about this time next year. And Sarah, your son, will have a son. Or Sarah, your wife, will have a son. Now Sarah was listening at the entrance to the tent, which was behind him. Abraham and Sarah were already old and well advanced in years. And Sarah was past the age of childbearing. So Sarah laughed to herself as she thought, after I am worn out and my master is old, will I now have this pleasure? Then the Lord said to Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh and say, Will I really have a child now that I am old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? I will return to you at the appointed time next year, and Sarah will have a son. Sarah was afraid, so she lied and said, I did not laugh. But he said, yes, you did laugh. Our text this morning is Genesis chapter 21, verse 1 through 7. Here we find the climax of God's promise to Abraham of his son. Genesis 21. Now the Lord was gracious to Sarah, as he had said. And the Lord did for Sarah what he had promised. 
Sarah became pregnant and bore a son to Abraham in his old age, at the very time God had promised him. Abraham gave the name Isaac to the son Sarah bore him. When his son Isaac was eight days old, Abraham circumcised him as God commanded him. Abraham was a hundred years old when his son Isaac was born to him. Sarah said, God has brought me laughter, and everyone who hears about this will laugh with me. And she added, who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse children? Yet I have borne him a son in his old age. Brothers and sisters in our Lord Jesus Christ, is it a miracle that you're here this morning? Is it a miracle that there's a a group of people here who wants to worship the Lord? Now often we can take, take it for granted. We've been around churches, we've been around Christians our whole lives, probably. We can forget that it's actually a, a miracle that any of us is here. In the Bible, the Israelites also, also took it for granted. The miracle that they were God's people. They took for granted the fact that God was their God and that they were his special people. It's a miracle. Because as we read in the Bible, it's a miracle that almost didn't happen. Humanly speaking, Abraham almost didn't have any children. And so, the nation descended from Abraham, that is, the the people of Israel, they also almost didn't happen. And we'll see this morning that just as the nation of Israel is a miracle, so we also sitting here today are a miracle. This morning I summarize God's word for you under the following theme. Rejoice in the Lord's faithfulness in fulfilling his promise by miraculously miraculously calling his people into existence. Rejoice in the Lord's faithfulness by fulfilling his promise, by miraculously calling his people into existence. And we'll see two points. We'll see recognizing it's a miracle, and secondly, rejoicing in this miracle. The story of our text actually begins some chapters earlier, in chapter 12. Chapter 12 is the very beginning of the of the story of Abraham. There the Lord comes to him and says, Leave your country, your people and your father's household, and go to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. So Abraham is is going to be a great nation. This means he's going to have Lots of descendants. God promised. Now, Abram, at this time, he, he had no children. And Abram already was a man of 75 years old. And as the years continue to, to tick by, it becomes even less and less likely that Abraham's going to have any children. In chapter 15, Abram says to the Lord, O sovereign Lord, What can you give me since I remain childless? 
And the one who will inherit my estate, estate is Eliezer of Damascus. At that time, the Lord took Abraham outside. And he said, look up into the heavens and count the stars, if indeed you can count them. Then he said, so shall your offspring be. Next chapter, chapter 16. Abraham turned 86. Abraham and Sarah still had no children. So what they decided was that Abraham would marry Hagar, Sarai's maidservant. And then any children that Hagar would have would be counted as, as Sarai and Abraham's. You can imagine after many, many years of monogamous marriage, this was a, a very painful thing for Sarai to do. It apparently was more common in that culture, but still a very, a very sad thing to have to do. But the Lord had never explicitly said to Abraham that the children, the child that was going to be born, he had never explicitly said that that was going to be from Sarah. It was going to be Abraham's son, but he never said Sarah. That was, that was what they assumed. So Abraham marries Hagar, and then Ishmael is born. So for 13 years, Abraham and Sarah probably thought, well, this was it. Chapter 17, the Lord appears again to Abraham and says, it's not Ishmael, but Sarai will have a son. He says in chapter 17, I will bless her, so she will be the mother of nations. Kings of peoples will come from her. At this, Abraham fell face down. He laughed and he said to himself, Will a son be born to a man a hundred years old? Will Sarah bear a child at age ninety? If only Ishmael might live under your blessing. So Abram and Sarah, they seemed to think that Ishmael, Ishmael was it. He would be the one whom the Lord promised. He would be the one from whom all these, these descendants would come. But the Lord says, no. Your wife Sarah will bear you a son. You will call him Isaac. I will establish my covenant with him as an everlasting covenant for his descendants after him. So now there's, there's no mistaking. It's obvious that it's Sarah who's going to bear the child. It's not Ishmael. But later in chapter 18, as we read, three men come to Abraham and they tell him very plainly that, that next year, this child is going to be born. Sarah is listening. And Sarah laughs. It, it's a bitter and sad laugh. She thinks, after I am worn out and my master is old, will I now have this pleasure? Sarah's language is, is a bit crude. She describes herself as worn out. Like a like an old sweater that you, you wear out and then throw out. Sarah's laughter is one of sad disbelief. The Lord reprimands her, is, is anything too hard for the Lord? So our text then, chapter 21, it comes at the climax of 25 years of promise and waiting. 25 years of hope and disappointment. 
25 years of trusting and doubting, of believing and stumbling. Finally, after all these years, the Lord was gracious to Sarah. And the Lord did for Sarah what he had promised. Sarah became pregnant and bore a son to Abraham in his old age, at the very time God had promised him. Our text tells it in in very simple language. Sarah became pregnant and bore a son. That's it. But the inspired author of our text wants to highlight for us two important parts of this birth, two important facts. The first fact is that this is a supernatural event. This is not in any way humanly possible or expected. Three times through our text, the author reminds us that Sarah and Abraham were old. Verse 2, Sarah became pregnant and bore a son to Abraham in his old age. Verse 5, Abraham was a hundred years old when his son Isaac was born to him. Verse 7, yet I have borne him a son in his old age. So the author wants to make sure that we don't miss it. He mentions it three times. This child, this child was a miracle. No doctor would have predicted it. No specialist would have expected it. The second thing our text wants to emphasize is that this was a miracle that happened as the Lord had promised. And our text repeats this almost to, almost to the point of being redundant. Now the Lord was gracious to Abraham, or gracious to Sarah, as he had said. The Lord did for Sarah what he had promised. Sarah became pregnant and bore a son to Abraham in his old age, at the very time God had promised him. Again, three times, as he had said, what he had promised, at the very time God had promised. So we're to know that this was a miracle that that the Lord is responsible for. God had said to Abraham 25 years ago, I will make you into a great nation. You will have many offspring as the stars in the sky. And this, this child... This one little baby, it was God's way of fulfilling this promise. It was a miracle, the very beginning of this promise. So it happened just as the Lord has said. Isaac gave birth to Jacob. And then Jacob, as you know, had 12 sons. And from these 12 sons, there was 12 tribes. And that became the, the nation of Israel. It became a, a great nation. From this nation later would come the Lord Jesus Christ. And after the Lord Jesus Christ came, the gospel has gone out to all nations, peoples of every tribe, every tongue. So in this way, the, the nation of, it, of Abraham, it has become even greater. 
In the New Testament, the Apostle Paul writes about this. In Romans 4, verse 16, he says about Abraham, he says, he is the father of us all. So the New Testament church, us, us sitting here today, we're part of God's covenant people. We're part of that, that great nation that God had promised Abraham. And this, the Bible tells us, this is because we share the faith of Abraham. While he was on earth, our Lord Jesus, he said to the Jews in John chapter 8, verse 56, he said, your father Abraham rejoiced at the thought of seeing my day. He saw it and was glad. So the Lord Jesus here, he's, he's talking to the Jews about the, the birth of Isaac. And he says, this, this was the day when Abraham rejoiced. But he says, your father Abraham rejoiced at the thought of seeing my day. He saw it and was glad. How was the birth of Isaac? How was that the day of the Lord Jesus? Well, Isaac was that, that first step. That first step in the promise of a, of a great nation. Both the Lord Jesus Christ, with the day of the Lord Jesus Christ, this promise made a, made a giant leap forward to the, to the Gentiles, to people of every tribe, nation, and tongue. And for this to happen, God had to work another miracle. And that miracle was the birth of the Lord Jesus. With the birth of the Lord Jesus, an even greater surprise happened. Even greater than the birth of Isaac. For the Lord Jesus was born not to a, not to a barren woman, but to a virgin. Nothing is impossible with God. It was a miracle that Isaac was born. It was a miracle that Christ was born. And it's a miracle that you and I are reborn. We who by nature are enemies of God, we who are dead in our sins, we who by ourselves don't want anything to do with the promises of God, It took a miracle for us to be reborn. It took the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ, the birth of a man conceived by the Holy Spirit. It took a miracle for us to be saved. The Lord Jesus was born God and man, and therefore he could take the, the punishment of God for the sin of mankind. He took the punishment for, for all our sins. All our sins are forgiven. So we went from being enemies of God to becoming children of the promise. He sent His Son to work in our hearts so that we believe, He sent His Spirit rather to work in our hearts so that we believe this promise of the Gospel. We read the Bible. We read the promise of the Gospel and we believe it. We accept that it's true. This is, brothers and sisters, this is the, the miracle of rebirth. 
That's the, the miracle that's made us here today. That's why those, those people sitting in church this morning. That's the miracle that has made people from every country, every ethnicity over this world believe. Now, since we've been around Christians our whole life, since we've seen churches around, perhaps this is something that doesn't strike us as being so impressive anymore. What's more, we can also see a lot of weaknesses in the church. We see a lot of sin in other people's lives. We see a lot of sin in our own life this past week again. Our faith is often so weak. Also, this church is sometimes so small in this world. This world is such a big place and the church seems to have so little, so little impact sometimes. All this can make God's miracle seem less impressive. This is something that missionaries can also struggle with. You can have a missionary who's worked sometimes years and years in a place, only to find just a few people coming to faith. And the faith of these new converts, it can often be so weak, they can so easily slip back into their old sinful habits and lifestyles. When you look at our text, you realize that Abraham and Sarah, they could have easily have thought the same thing. You see, God had promised them that there was going to be a, a great nation. But here they have just one child. This is still a, a long way off from a great nation. But God had promised a great nation. And this was his beginning. You see, it takes a lot of faith to go from what we see around us to God's promise. But God has been working miracles throughout the history of this world. If you, if you reflect on your own life, you think of the things that have happened to you, the turning points in your life, then Sure, do you recognize too that it is a miracle that you are here? That God has called you back, that God has turned your head at pivotal times so that you would be here, that you would believe, that you would be His child. Each and every one of us should know that it is a miracle that we are God's child. If it was not for God's supernatural work throughout history, calling his people into existence, there would be nothing. There would be no one here. Instead, we'd be lost in darkness. There would be no people of God, no, no nation, no children of Abraham. We need to recognize it's a miracle. How do you respond to that miracle then? That's our second point, rejoicing in the miracle. Well, our text tells us how Abram and Sarai responded. You can imagine that Abram was euphoric after all these years waiting for a child, and now the child's here. But when we look at our text, we find that 
in all his excitement, Abraham doesn't forget who it was who caused this miracle. But rather, Abraham obeys God to the letter. Abraham gave the name Isaac to the son Sarah bore him. When his son Isaac was eight days old, Abraham circumcised him as God commanded. So Abraham obeys to the letter. God had said in chapter 17, verse 19, you shall name him Isaac. Abraham names him Isaac. God says every male among you who is eight days old must be circumcised. Abraham circumcises Isaac when he's eight days old. So Abraham recognizes that this is God's miracle. And so he responds to this by obeying God very carefully. And he circumcises his son as a symbol to show that this child was part of God's covenant people. One clear way that this applies to you and I is in baptism. Instead of circumcising our children, in the New Testament we baptize our children as a sign of the covenant. They are a part of God's New Testament people. And in this way they are, they are grafted into the Christian church. So like Abraham, we should not neglect this promise of baptism. But we can take more away from Abraham's response. What Abraham was doing by obeying God was showing that he he valued the miracle. He realized that what God had done was something special. This is also how, how we should respond to God's miracle in our life. What might this, what might this look like for us, concretely? Well, first we'd have a willingness to learn from what God has been doing throughout the history of His people. God has been working this miracle of, of gathering His people for many centuries now. And believers, they've also been, been wrestling with God's Word to understand what it means to, to respond to God's work in their life. How should we live now that we've come to faith? How does this work out in all the, the nitty-gritty of our everyday decisions? What should I do for my entertainment? What should I do with my children? How should we worship God? How should we do that together? Well, we're not the first believers to ask these questions of the Bible. We're blessed to be members of a church that has a long history. A long history where God has been working with people. And we should be very eager to learn from that history. When a believer is young, there is, there is a tendency to, to want a fresh start. Let's do something new. Why do we do things like this in our, in our family or why do we do things like this in our church? Let's do something new. We should be careful. Because God tells us that He's been busy for centuries. He's been working with His Holy Spirit in the lives of believers for a very long time. Find out. 
ask questions. You're not the first person to read the Bible. Conversely, also teach your children and your grandchildren why you do things the way you do in your family. Why do you read the Bible when you do? Why do you pray the way you do? Why you why do you do certain things on Sunday and, and not other things? You see, there are many other people in this world who, many other Christians, who do not have the same privileges that you and I do. There are many new Christians and new churches in this world that, that don't have a long history or have a long tradition. The traditions that we now enjoy and take for granted. That's something that we have an opportunity to help them with. And we ourselves, surely we should value them. Value God's miracle. Value what God has been doing in the lives of believers for many years now. We should never take for granted the miracle that we are part of God's people. Never take for granted that we're part of a community that has has a history. We should stand on the shoulders of those who have gone before us. Not out with the old and in with the new, but rather build on the old to meet the challenges of the new. So that was Abraham. Abraham, he, he values God's miracle. He recognizes its significance. And he acts accordingly, being obedient to God. What about Sarah? How does Sarah respond? Well, Sarah, we read, she laughs. Sarah said, God has brought me laughter. And everyone who hears about this will laugh with me. And she added, who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse children? Yet I have borne him a son in his old age. Sarah laughs for joy. She rejoices in what God has done in fulfilling his promise. Now we read earlier that Sarah and Abraham, they had laughed earlier as well. In chapter 17, Abraham fell face down. He laughed and said to himself, Will a son be born to a man a hundred years old? In chapter 18, Sarah laughed to herself and said, After I am worn out and my master is old, will I now have this pleasure? So she laughed in disbelief. But now in our text we see the wonderful thing that God has turned this laughter of bitterness, this laughter of unbelief into laughter of joy. There's a a play on words here. For God tells them to name the child Isaac, which means laughter. Every time they heard this boy's name, they would be reminded. So Sarah's son is is playing outside and she calls him in for supper. Isaac, come on in. Every time she said the word, she'd be reminded of the fact that they had laughed. They had laughed in unbelief, in bitterness. But God had turned that laughter into laughter of joy. God makes the impossible possible. Well, when our Lord Jesus Christ was born... There was appropriately much laughter and rejoicing as well. 
We read that Mary, she praised God and she said, my soul glorifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. And not only Mary, but also the shepherds, also Simeon, Anna, wise men from the east, and many others, they they rejoiced at the birth of the Lord Jesus. When the Lord Jesus grew up, and he did his preaching, he did his teaching, also his his many miracles, he brought joy and, and rejoicing to the hearts of many in Israel. But later on in his ministry, just before he was about to die, he said to his disciples, he said, I tell you the truth, you will weep and mourn while the world rejoices. You will grieve. So when the Lord Jesus was crucified, his disciples would mourn. But he continued, but your grief will turn to joy. Now is your time of grief. But I will see you again and you will rejoice. And no one will take your joy away. Christ would die on the cross for their sins. But he would rise again. And they would rejoice. As we continue reading through the New Testament, we find that that's precisely what happened. At Pentecost, when the New Testament church began, 3,000 people were baptized. They were made part of God's covenant people. We read in Acts chapter 2, every day they continued to meet together. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. That's the response to the gospel. Gladness. A short time later, the gospel went out from Jerusalem and it went out also to the Gentiles. And Paul and Barnabas, they were the ones who explained this to the Gentiles. They said, for this is what the Lord has commanded us. I have made you a light for the Gentiles that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. This is Acts chapter 13. Then we read that when the Gentiles heard this, they were glad. This is the response that we may have to God's work. Rejoice. Be glad. It's a miracle what God has done by gathering his people here. Have patience when this work looks weak, when this work looks small. Get rid of all bitterness, all skepticism. Get rid of all cynicism in your heart. It's very easy to be cynical. Do not laugh in unbelief, but rejoice and be glad. God calls a church into existence, and that's his miracle. It's a miracle, and it's always been a miracle. We were far away from God, but in Christ, we're near. In Christ, God has brought us close to himself. 
And by His Holy Spirit, He makes you and I part of His people. Let me conclude with the words of Colossians 3. Let the peace of Christ rule your hearts, since as members of one body, you are called to peace. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell on you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom, as you sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. Amen. This has been a sermon from the Langley Canadian Reformed Church. For more information, please visit us on the web at www.langleycanrc.org.